0: In business and in life, we are often told that the ideal type of leader is someone with the right executive presence and charisma to motivate teams. We are sold the image of a leader as someone who dedicates their whole life to going above and beyond everyone else, often being the loudest person in the room. That type of leadership didn't work for me, and I'm guessing it doesn't work for you either. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. This week's podcast is focused on a topic from a recent study done by Stanford and MIT. Here's the headline of the study. There's no such thing as a perfect CEO personality type. I saw this as an article on a LinkedIn post. I read that article, which summarized some of the key findings. And I really love these kinds of articles from publications like Inc or Forbes because they take the best nuggets of a peer reviewed research article and they amplify the findings to a broader business audience. However, sometimes these types of articles misconstrue findings or overgeneralize the results. So remember, my background is in organizational psychology. So I want to read the actual peer-reviewed article, not just a summary of it. That's where my academic training comes out. So I took a look at the article and the research behind it. So I read the actual research study. So you don't have to. I wanted to share a summary with you and a few insights, thoughts, and takeaways that are meaningful to you in your current job. Don't worry, I won't get super technical. Well, I may share a little more than usual, but pretend you are in my organizational psychology class for a bit, and we can get a little researchy together. Let's get started. Before I get into the details of the article, I wanted to share why I think this study is so important and why topics like these are so important. Feel free to disagree with me, but I think there's a common stereotype that exists of the right type of personality for a CEO or a senior leader. I'm using the air quotes here on the right type, like there's a, a preferred type of person who are in these roles. Here's a common description. So someone who can command a room with their charisma, who takes bold action, who drives for results, who is decisive and assertive. The problem with this kind of thinking is that if there is a right type of personality, then there's also a wrong type of personality for these roles. And I fundamentally disagree with that. I don't think there's a wrong personality. I think it matters and we'll talk about why it matters, but I love that the headline is there's no such thing as a perfect CEO personality type because it lets all of us get into these kinds of roles. It frees us of thinking that there's a right way or a wrong way to be or to lead. And so that's why I think this is so important I've been working with leaders and studying personality and temperament throughout my 20 year career for more than 10 years. I've coached and developed leaders based on personality assessments. I utilize the Hogan assessments as the assessment that I like best. It has scientific rigor behind it. It goes through in-depth personality variables on your everyday personality, your derailers and what motivates you and what you value. And I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of these personality profiles and in these profiles, a leader is invited to take an assessment, which usually takes about 45 minutes to complete, and then a report is generated. Then they meet with a coach, a person like me, who walks them through their report. We talk about their strengths and opportunity areas and basically around who they naturally are and then how those behaviors are linked to their personality, how they show up in the workplace environment. So we talk about the good and the bad things associated with all those behaviors. So here's the thing. Everyone has a personality and values and what motivates them. And everyone has something that is good and bad that's associated with it. And we talk about that in this idea of how to work through it, understanding self-awareness and gaining that information. We talk about different strategies that are going to be best for them in their current environment and in their current role. And this type of assessment is a tool that can be used for development. It can also be used as a tool that organizations use in hiring as well. Mostly, I use it in terms of leadership development and building self-awareness. Most personality research is based on the big five personality factors. When I was in uh, undergrad, I remembered how I learned these in my Psych 101 class from the acronym OCEAN. So each one stands for a letter that you can remember it spells out ocean. So O is openness to experience. C is conscientiousness. E is for extroversion. A is for agreeableness. And N is for neuroticism. So every personality test that you've ever taken at work is most likely linked to these factors or that research. You can be high or low or in the middle on any of these factors and being high or low on them shows different perceptions of your behavior. So I'll walk through what each of these kinds of means and the behaviors that are usually associated with these. Again, this is an assessment. Each one of these is a scale from high to low. You will have many different combinations and as we talk about these, um we're talking about them generally and every person's going to be different. But in general, the, these are are what these look like based on years of personality research. So High openness to experience kind of looks like valuing innovation and creativity and the ability to adapt and change, while low openness to experience can be more described as being closed-minded, more conventional. High conscientiousness is someone who's dependable, responsible, maybe more of a rule follower. Low conscientious people are less focused on the details and execution. Let's look at extroversion next. If you're high on extroversion, you're enthusiastic, optimistic, outgoing. If you're low on extroversion, you're more thoughtful, intentional, more of that typical introvert style. For agreeableness, if you're high on that one, you can be described as trusting and cooperative, willing to compromise. If you're lower on agreeableness, you could be more competitive and achievement oriented. And the last is neuroticism. People that are higher in neuroticism can be described as anxious or defensive, And lower in neuroticism is more calm and relaxed. So these are all, again, high-level descriptions. There are multiple subcomponents to each of these. So in my experience coaching many leaders across different personality types, different industries, and different levels and organizations of different sizes, I've seen a variety of scores on all of these scales, all in all of the spectrums. And I have seen some trends. So certain types of personalities tend to align with certain kinds of roles. I'll give you an example. So for example, if you are higher in conscientiousness, remember that's more planful, dutiful, your I's dotted, your T's are crossed, more detail-oriented, you might be a better fit for a finance or accounting role. It doesn't mean that you can't be a finance leader if you are lower in conscientiousness, it means that maybe that's just not your natural strength, and you will need to put more systems or processes in place for you to succeed there. But you may not also like the details, so it may not be fulfilling anyway. So, that's just one example of how personality and kind of job fit or trends within an industry or department could coincide. But in my experience, I have not found that there is one specific personality style that fits best across all roles, including the role of CEO, but let's go a little deeper into this topic within the study. So researchers from Stanford and MIT hypothesized that a CEO's personality affects their pattern of behavior, which in turn shapes the culture of an organization. They took personality ratings and organizational culture ratings to show that there isn't a specific Type of personality that equals to a successful CEO. Instead, the research posits that a CEO's personality and their values can shape a culture. So they looked at personality ratings of over 450 CEOs and the culture ratings of over 300 companies between the years of 2015 to 2019. So some of those CEOs were different successors in those same companies. So if you looked at that, at one company between those years. Then they looked at each of the personality profiles of the CEOs in that span of time. So let's look at how they collected the data. You know, there's lots of ways to collect data. However, getting data across a wide variety of companies from the same time period is really expensive and almost impossible to do. So for the CEO data, these personality profiles, they used a methodology that included a natural language algorithm by analyzing earnings call data. So basically they analyzed existing recordings of calls where the CEO was speaking. Then they put those into an algorithm, which maps out a personality profile for each CEO. And while not super common, this is an interesting way to assess a bigger number of CEOs across a wide variety of industries during the same timeframe. This methodology has its own research behind it and its own validation of that technique. I'm not going to go into it here, but they they talked about it in the research study. And then the other set of data that they used was on the company cultures. So researchers gathered data from Glassdoor. Glassdoor is a site that employees can rate the companies that they currently work for or have worked for in the past. It's a really great site to research a company if you are interviewing just to understand what their culture is like, the employee experience, all that kind of stuff. The researchers looked at company cultures across the following cultural variables, agility, collaboration, customer orientation, diversity, execution, innovation, integrity, performance, and respect. So each company's culture was reviewed against these values, and they looked at the intensity of the value and then the level of agreement for that value. So for instance, if you looked at glass door ratings for one company, they may show that they have a low intensity for innovation with a high level of agreement on it. So basically employees are saying, hey, in our culture, we have come to this consensus that innovation is not really important here. So they looked at both intensity and kind of the consensus of those ratings. Within that data, they also did lots of data analysis to get to their findings. I am not going to go into all of that statistical analysis here, but here's a few interesting findings. They found big associations between CEO personality and organizational culture. Two CEO personality traits, extroversion and agreeableness, have big positive connections to company culture. So if CEOs were higher in extroversion or agreeableness, then company cultures tended to be higher in agility, innovation, and operational excellence. Also, results show that there are common personality profiles across industries for companies and CEOs. For instance, CEOs in the healthcare sector are higher in agreeableness. They're more altruistic. And then CEOs in manufacturing have higher levels of conscientiousness. So they're more detail-oriented and careful. So that makes sense. That completely tracks. There was also a small effect that over time, a CEO's personality may impact their organization more over time. So overall, results indicated that a CEO's personality and values remain relatively stable over time and are related to the organization's culture. And it's an important determinant of an organizational's culture. So a CEO's personality and pattern of behavior related to that personality can cascade into the organization and can help set the culture. So at the end of the day, it may still be like a chicken or the egg thing. Results do not conclusively resolve the question, is the CEO shaping the culture or does the culture shape the CEO? However, there is really strong evidence that they are linked and that it matters. And it matters for a lot of reasons. And this is my take on it. I said it in my book, Values First, so I'll I'll quote myself here from the introduction. In business and in life, we are often told that the ideal type of leader is someone with the right executive presence and charisma to motivate teams. We are sold the image of a leader as someone who dedicates their whole life to going above and beyond everyone else, often being the loudest person in the room. That type of leadership didn't work for me and I'm guessing it doesn't work for you either. I've spent my career studying, working with, and building the capability of great leaders in all sizes of organizations, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies. In my research, I have found that what makes a true leader isn't how loudly you command a room, but how authentically you show up in it as yourself and your values. I share my experiences in this book with being the quiet one in the room among lots of ambitious extroverted leaders. Through my career, my introversion has been both a strength and an obstacle to overcome. I'm not here to tell you what the perfect profile is for a leader. Hint, there isn't one. I'm here to tell you about what I've learned in my two decades of studying and working with high performing leaders. And I want to tell you, there is no one way to be a great leader, except to lead with your authentic style. When you show up authentically centered in your values, you'll become more successful. I know this to be true for myself. So there is no right way to be the perfect leader. Research is telling us that there is no perfect personality for the leadership role of CEO. You get to take your personality and what you value and bring it into an organization to create the culture, to model it. To build it, sure, there are trends of the kinds of ways you might be more successful given your personality, your values, and your strengths, but there is a place for you and your leadership. It's important to model it too, because it can have implications on the culture that you build around you. In my work with building values based cultures, I work with a lot of senior leaders, and we're literally in rooms with the senior leadership team. Building out the values of the organization. And often, some of those values come from those people in those rooms. So, we use data and we use people from all parts of the organization to build some of these values. But often, it is also those leaders in those rooms that are in the C suite, they're making up those cultures, they're building them, they're creating them they're prioritizing the things that matter and they get to bring part of what matters to them into those organizations. It's absolutely true for, for entrepreneurs and founders as CEOs, but it's also very true for companies that have been around for a really long time. The culture is made up of the people in that room. What this research can't say yet definitively is that any personality can be successful in any organization. For instance, if a very innovative CEO, maybe someone that has low conscientiousness and high openness for experience goes into a very traditional culture that is maybe regimented and low on adaptability, this research isn't saying that the CEO will be able to single handedly change the culture based on their personality. Now, I'm not saying they can't change the culture. If one person can, it would be the CEO. If they truly do have the motivation and authority to do a turnaround, it would take a lot of change, intention, changing how they incentivize and reward and hold people accountable. But you can bring your personality and your values into a culture and have an impact. The authors of this study also investigated whether an existing culture might be used to screen for the fit of a new CEO. The results of this had a uh, few associations supporting that. But within my work within organizations and knowledge of how search firms and boards hire and plan succession for CEO roles, you know, practically speaking, many companies take their organizational values into account when looking for the next CEO. Many do this through promoting CEOs from within the company, which is a way that solidifies that a person has similar values within the organization. It's a way to keep that same culture. Let's talk about a couple of practical implications that the researchers mentioned. One is just to utilize personality assessment and the evaluation of CEO candidates, in addition to not only their skills and their experiences, but also assessing their personalities. So this is a more common practice when you are utilizing an executive search firm, which uses multiple assessments of skill and personality and other variables. They also talked about the practical implication of self-awareness of the CEO. And I think this one's really important. And also their ability to modulate their behavior and get coaching to override different tendencies or blind spots. That's a really important part. And in my experience, just because your personality is a specific way, Does not mean that you can't learn how to do something in a different way to get different results. You absolutely can. That is the premise of coaching lots of the things that I do um, with leaders is understanding getting self awareness of the personality and then building strategies around it to be more effective. So this study wasn't perfect. None are. They used existing data and algorithms to build out the personality profiles of both CEOs and the company culture. And that existing data may have some biases in it inherently. For example, the Glassdoor ratings on company culture might be more skewed to employees who have left an organization. Um, The article mostly also talks about CEOs. So I also wondered how far can we extend this to other roles in the C-suite too? And I think we can, to an extent, there isn't a perfect personality for a CEO or a chief marketing officer or a chief finance officer. There's not a perfect personality for a chief operations officer, but there are some trends that are going to be important that somebody may have inherently based on um, their strengths and their personality and what they value. So to me, this study is really important because it shows that personality and values, And organizational culture are all connected. It means that you, as a leader, can create cultures that are aligned to what's important to you. It means that you, as a leader, need to pay attention to the things that you model because they can cascade down these behaviors for good or for bad. And most importantly, there isn't a perfect personality for all, which means there's room for your personality and your values and how you lead. Remember, Your leadership belongs here. You belong in the C-suite. I want to thank you so much for listening to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple podcasts. By leaving a review, you're helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.